Hello, folks. How are you? Welcome to episode 124, sponsored by our friends at Maritime Madness. As I said, use the code FLA10 to save 10% and receive free shipping over $35 within Canada. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there here in Canada. Uh, it's a wonderful long weekend. Normally, I wouldn't do a podcast on a long weekend, uh, but since I'm in quarantine for day number 13, we're banging them out uh, every day this week. We've had a podcast and we're enjoying doing them. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. And uh, again, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, thanks to all the essential workers out there doing your thing. Still keeping everybody safe and, uh, you know, keeping us COVID free. Let's get right into it here, folks. Uh, we have a fantastic episode lined up today. Very, very special guest. Uh, first of all, uh, let's get right into it here. A Nova Scotia native, originally from City, Nova Scotia, now living in Montreal, uh, part of the Canadian national boxing team, training up there at uh, Donnie, Donnybrook Boxing Club. Almost dropped a, dropped a verb there. Uh, Donnybrook Boxing Club in Montreal, extremely talented lady. Uh, really, really um, kind of, you know, she's, I want to kind of talk to her about why she kind of transitioned to Montreal. And we, we kind of talked a, a little bit off air about it, but, uh, you know, I kind of want to, you know, when we have so much special talent here in Nova Scotia, and it's important to see them go on to these next steps. So I want to kind of chat with her about that. And uh, let's do it. Without further ado, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jeez. Natalie Fagan. How are you, Natalie? I'm great. Thanks. Awesome. How are you? Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. And happy Thanksgiving. You too. <laughs> so you're up in Montreal again. You know, we spoke about it a little bit off the air. Um, you know, you've been boxing for a long time. You've been involved in martial arts for a long time, but yeah. you know, you're a black belt in karate as well. Uh, there's so much about, you. about that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's like, why did you get into like I ask everybody on this podcast, like, why did why did you get into martial arts? Oh my god. Whew. I don't know if you have all that uh, time to all <laughs> unpack all of that. <laughs> I would like to say that I, I always had like a interest in, in combat sports, at least since like early teens, I was never someone involved, like interested in sport and I was never very athletic, sport, particularly team sports. I think I just, that that's the thing I always had kind of had problems with um, social, social mm -hmm. interactions and things like that and, and people, but something about combat sports just, um, seemed very different to me. I don't know if I liked the idea of fighting, even though I was always uh, kind of uh, the opposite of a um, aggressive uh, person. You know, I was bullied a lot in my life and I kind of just was the person that was like, mm, and didn't just let people kind of, kind of do that. But yeah. I think if I put it to a specific thing, you remember when the movie uh, Million Dollar Baby came out? Yeah, certainly. Well, there's an actual real life boxer in that movie, Lucia Riker, who at the time, until I think the early 2000s, was like, and this was before women, uh, women's uh, amateur boxing got to the level that it was, because until we were allowed in the Olympics, which was only 2012, yeah. we also were not included in these major multi sport tournaments. And even now, it's only the Olympic weight classes. So, the uh, but, but at the time, she was this amazing person and uh, as an athlete and also as a person, which it wasn't necessarily that movie, but it made me aware of, of this athlete. And I remember I watched this documentary that was about her in this training camp that she was at with all these like big professional boxers at the time like James Tony and and people like that it was called the mm -hmm. uh, shadow boxers and it just was and uh, about her process as an athlete and as a person and I just really kind of identified with you know she was a, a, a practicing Buddhist not that I am affiliated with with any religion but just kind of the philosophies of that and how she was 
as a person. And then she was this awesome. just like, so they called her, I think, like Lady Tyson or the most dangerous woman on the planet. Though she fought was just like so aggressive and so, and the fact that you could be these two different people, you know, this this very, I think, you know, a good uh, a good um, humanitarian and, and role model and um, just kind of a peaceful person. But she also had this other side, you know, the business side that was very aggressive and just, um, you know, uh, people say, Still, I think now it's maybe more like Carissa Shields as who's the yeah. best like woman boxer in the world. But you know, she very much was at the time uh, considered the best in the world, and and still is. And so that kind of got me interested in the sport of boxing because of of women for sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah. same thing with with mixed martial arts. I got more interested in MMA, and um, I guess the UFC. I know UFC is obviously not MMA, but it's the yeah, biggest sure. yeah. organization. When they started to allow women in it. Like I was more actively supportive of, of watching that because I'm a woman and I fight and I, I, I like to, uh, yeah, watch other women fight and, mm -hmm. and support that. And not that I'm more interested in it than, than men. It's definitely. Well, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a path. It's important. Like, you know, it's super important because exactly mm -hmm. what you said, you know, like you like watching it because it's other females and God knows what it's going to do for girls who don't fight. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, not everyone has to 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 fight or be involved in combat sports, but especially for women and people, just the confidence that it gives you. And I think everyone should be able to defend themselves or live in a way that they, you know, believe that they are um, worthy and 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 confident enough to present that attitude. That like, you know, don't don't fuck with me. <laughs> I love that. Good for you. I love that. And I, I want that's. It's so important to like. Uh, I wanted to ask you about like your, your nickname, you know, Wonder Woman. It's kind of like you, you you kind of hinted on that and <laughs> about two different personalities. And it's kind of interesting because that you need that, like not everybody, like a lot of fighters kind of put out that persona, like whatever, whatever. But like, if you, I think that a lot of people can really relate to the person who's like down to earth, like you're saying, like a humble, just professional kind of, and then you get in the ring and you fight your ass off and you're a badass. Like people love that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, with myself, I try to rationalize it how, I mean, I, and I don't always perform well in a sport environment. I've had many times where, you know, issues that I have in life uh, have been a hindrance to performance in sport. But when I perform really well, it's when I'm really focused, you know, uh, in very focused in, in, in what I'm doing. And, Usually, you know, in life, uh, large groups of people and a lot of like sensory things really uh, or, or any kind of I'm not a confrontational person. And a lot of times, you know, those are the kind of interactions with other people that I have. I've, I've always had problems with and anxiety with. And I'm like, well, what is it about combat sport? Like, it's the most it's yeah. the most, um, um, uh, um, you know, what's the word that I just used? It's the most. um confrontational you can get yeah, but, yeah, but no. i tried to rationalize it myself it's such a it's a controlled environment to a degree and you know what's going to happen i have you for me there's the kind of control in that setting that you don't get in, in in life it's like you know okay i know i'm fighting at this time i'm fighting this person you know they they fight this way you know there's only certain things that can happen and you know you can lose you can get hurt yeah but like in 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 life there's so many other 
uh, uncontrollable factors. You can't control what people are going to do or say, you know, you also can't literally fight them to get them, you know, to literally beat them into doing, you know, fighting or fight or, or whatever. So that's super interesting to look that's at. That's how I kind of, kind of, yeah, no, that's like recently. That's kind of how I, I rationalize, you know, um, I think what I like so much about, about fighting and about, um, yeah, combat sport and Very boxing cool. in particular. Wow. That's very powerful. I like that a lot because when you think about it that way, like, you know, you're driving to the gym, you have no idea what can happen. Like, you you know what I mean? These little things. And then when you get into a fight, it's like you're, you're set in this. And the only thing that can happen is you can lose and you can get hurt. And that's yeah. re really it. That's your limitation. So it's, it's, if you look at that attitude where it's like that, that comforting factor that way, that's, that's cool. Well, that's there's, the way I talk. And there's it. a certain set of rules and to a degree, it's like, if you know who the judges are and you know who the ref are, you have an idea of how they ref things and how they score things. So it's also an element of like, okay, I can kind of control what's, what's going on here to the best of my ability. Interesting. It's what do you, mm -hmm. what do you think about judging? And uh, now that we're on that topic a little bit, you know, it's be, being a high level competitor, you know, it's, it's one of those, is it is bad in boxing as it is in MMA? Yeah. Uh, you think we don't have to talk about it. I mean, no, I mean, I'm not an expert on it. Let's just say I've never won a fight I didn't deserve, but I definitely have had fights where everyone except the judges thought I won. So mm -hmm. I don't know. But I mean, but I mean, I, I like to be realistic about, about myself and my abilities. It's also like, well, they're literally, they literally have a different perspective, like the way they are sitting and watching thing as opposed to someone who is like watching from above or watching from yeah. From it's whatever, so tough job for sure. I have, and I mean, for kind of fortunately, all the fights that I think that you know were bad decisions, they were like club shows. So it's like at the end of the day, it matters, yeah. but you know, it doesn't matter as much as if it's you know in a in a tournament, like an international tournament, or for a national championship or mm -hmm. a world championship. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well put. Um, a, yeah, but I mean, professional boxing, it's a whole different thing because it's, it's like some money is on the line. Right. And I, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm really bad with, uh, I need to keep up with, uh, watching sport, particularly mm -hmm. like box, particularly in my own sport. I don't know what it's been this last year. I just like, I think the first fights that I watched in like almost a year was like, uh, when Adesanya fought, uh, yeah. Paulo Costa. Costa. Yeah. Costa, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I it is. I just media in general, right? People are fuck. I don't know. You get on there and it's just like all, a lot of negativity, right? So if you can kind of put yourself away from all of it, yeah, maybe I don't know if that's that's a, that's a, I know a lot of people who just kind of were like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like social media or media just in general. general. Like you know, they've yeah. kind of shut themselves off about kind of what's like following things. Like be just because. Like it might be better now, but like in the midst of everything, it was like following everything went back to COVID. Yeah. Like you couldn't just get away from it. So they just shut themselves away from like TV, social media, everything. And they're just like, no. Yeah, I do that a bit. Like I, I read a lot. Uh, I like to like, like books, you know, and, and comic books and stuff because, you know, it's nice when they have pictures too. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I try to fall, not necessarily COVID related, but, but a lot of things that are going on in, in Canada, you know, things that I particularly uh, care about. Um, environmental. Uh, environmental. No, not for me. It's more of the um, uh, kind of the social justice and, you know, I mean, I can unpack a lot, unpack a lot of stuff. I don't, 
you know, necessarily think maybe you want to get into all that stuff you know, <laughs> yeah. on this show, but, but yeah, just, you know, what, what my area of what I care about is a lot of things that are going on right now in terms of uh, like indigenous rights and, um, you know, uh, the fight right now in Nova Scotia for, uh, for treaty rights um, that are being greatly, <laughs> no, go, you know, and, if you have a little, you know, if you have uh, five minutes yeah. and you want to speak about it, by all means, like. No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think by any means I'm the most uh, educated um, person out there. I just know that you know a lot of people that I know and care about are affected by this, and even if they, yeah. if they weren't, you know, um, it's something that we should all uh, care about. Yeah, very well said, and that that's I think that's an important thing. You know, like I, I talk to a lot of people on these podcasts about. You know how whether how big of an like if you're an uh, amateur athlete with one fight or you're a coach with six UFC athletes, you know world champions. Everybody has a, a role to play and everybody has a following and uh, and people look up to you. So at the end of the day, like you have you know this ability to to represent what is right, and that's kind of what I take out of everything here that's going on in the world. It's like nobody's trying to change you, but everybody's trying to just be like, listen. Do the do the right thing for once, you know. Yeah. Like, period. No more fucking around. Let's do the right thing. Yeah, period. but it's interesting we say do the right thing when people are are acting in these ways that we consider, you know, to be wrong based on our morality. Well, to them, they're doing the right thing. They're doing what they think, yeah. you know, is right based on what their their particular worldview happens to be. Right. But sometimes it's the it's the job of the rest of society to say, well, this is not what we all decided upon is right because that's you know that's how societies work that's yeah. <laughs> how humanity works you know it's like freedom of speech means you cannot be you know like usually you can't have legal repression against you but that doesn't stop the rest of the world from saying you're an asshole yeah, it's yeah. not this is just not right <laughs> yeah yeah it's true you know it's you're you're i don't know we could i guess we could talk about this forever that's like one of those wormholes you could go down but oh yeah sure. no you don't have enough time with me no that's, let's, let's, let's go back to the like the national boxing program mm. you know you left nova scotia and you went up to montreal and uh the whole uh the experience so far and, and uh you know it's obviously the right place to be for what you're looking for in, in your career at the, this time i assume uh yeah i mean i very much miss um like i would live in halifax again in a heartbeat if i could you know i've told the bridget that you know right. and she's like come back and i'm like you know i know i'll always have a home there and a place there and i'm still very much i still very much feel like part of their their team and they still yeah. very much make me feel like that and awesome. which is which is great and and that's what i need out of a out of a training environment definitely to thrive um, and I feel like that's what I, I, I have, um, just that the, so I, I made the national team in 2019 and I was uh, like, I think a month or so afterwards, I was, uh, emailed by our, uh, national team director and offered like carding, but like, which is basically you get monthly funding from the government, you know, for sport, but they changed our, uh, sport back in 2016 where you to get that funding you have to relocate to the centralized national team program uh, which so we had the olympics in montreal in like 1976 and the olympic facility there's 
uh, a bunch of sports that are centralized there. I think boxing was one of the last ones to be added to it, like in 2016. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, for like almost two years, I was doing their training program um, with them. And uh, my funding didn't get renewed after the first year because, you know, they didn't really say, well, this is just kind of the intro. Your first year on the national team, um, it doesn't get renewed because uh, I've been – honestly on the B team since I've been on the national team. I'm pretty uh, honest about <laughs> about that. I just I didn't have the opportunity in the last two years to fight for a spot on the on the uh, A team. Um, when I went in 2018, I literally had a gold medal handed to me because no one else in 75 kilos showed up. I had a makeup bout with the uh, woman in the weight class above me because she also didn't have anyone to compete with. But it's like literally, I was like, here you go. And it's, I don't know, it was a little, it was bittersweet because literally I went three years in a row and, and lost. I got a bronze and I got a silver and then I was handed a gold and I was like, this is not uh, what I yeah. meant when I said I wanted to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you want to earn it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next year I fought, I fought once, one other person. So I actually technically fought, you know, nice. and, and regained my spot. But um, yeah, I, I definitely am... I mean, I think I'm still on the national team. I haven't heard anything from anyone in a while. <laughs> the whole COVID thing, it's like, I don't yeah. know. Uh, and right, rightfully so. I mean, um, the, the Olympic, uh, the people that have been selected for the Olympic uh, team are kind of the, the priority. Uh, I kind of missed, I missed the mark on that. I, I moved back to 69 kilos, which is what I used to fight at. And now I'm trying to uh, get on the national team at that weight. Um, so I'm kind of starting over again anyways, which is okay. I, I feel like there's more competition at 69 kilos mm -hmm. and, uh, I just, I don't know. I felt small at 75. Like I went to some international tournaments and I'm like, they big. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> thought I was, I thought, I mean, I'm like 5'10". I'm not like super, you know, small, but, um, yeah. And then other people were saying, well, you know, the talent is uh, when you go to the lighter weight classes or the ones kind of in the middle, the talent pool is a little uh, deeper. So it's more difficult. But I'm like, that's OK. I, I like to. Uh, well, to that's it. You know, if you're, if you're going to compete, you know, like it's if you're going to train and you show up and there's one person or, or in two years to compete, you know, you got to put you got to work it out. So the bracket, you know, with the most opportunities where you're going to go, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I mean, most uh, tournaments that I went to, not with the national team, this is before I made the national team. I like I did the ring sign tournament, mm -hmm. uh, the one they do in can't they, they stopped doing with the one they did in Kansas City every year. And I went there and I just got one fight, but I, I won it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with tournament like in Ireland, those things like you don't know until you, you get there. They forget yeah. to have a fight at all, so it's kind of it's kind of a bit of a. Is a it getting better though? Like I know jujitsu used to be like that too, where you wouldn't really know, you know, back in the day who was competing, but now everything's online, and you kind of know your bracket a little bit in advance. Is it getting better? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That? I mean, there's always people that don't show up. Like, uh, of yeah. course, obviously it's like one person, but with the two like tournaments I did with the national team, I knew there was going to be at least a few, uh, a few fights. Um, yeah, I remember my first my first uh, tournament I did with the national team was in Poland, and I drew Russia right away. And uh, I mean, I didn't win. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> we ended up winning gold, so like I feel a little better. I was like, well, you know, I got knocked out of the not literally knocked out, but I got put out of the tournament right away. But like, she won it, so 
you know. Well, experience, you know, like the thing is, so what's your goals, you know, moving on in the future, we got, uh, you know, and we got about five minutes left here. I want to cover, you know, your future goals. Will you come back here? You think, you know, obviously travel, you said was a big part of your life. You, you got, will you come back here, stick it out in Montreal? I, I, I don't, I'm going to, I'm here in Montreal for, for the, you know, foreseeable future, I would like, mm. I had plans, you know, um, to continue in amateur boxing, at least for the next year or so COVID kind of frigged things up. But my goal mm. was to make 69 kilos, make on the national team, you know, be able to be a team. I, I never really said, oh, you know, I want to be an Olympian. I want to go to the Olympics. I was just trying to do as well as, as I, as I can, but I find the last few years I've started to make more solid plans, which is, which is probably something I should have been doing for a while. And, you know, I'd like to be ranked in the world for sure. Um, uh, I think I'd rather be a a world champion, um, like, you know, go to a world championship. At least they, they happen a little more often. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, a little more than four years, who knows what's going to happen with the Olympics too. I hear they're going to go next year, but who knows? With yeah, all and I feel really bad for you know some people that I was training with at the INS, like were like this the the A team counterpart to myself, like you know she's ranked fifth in the world, you know she's an amazing um, uh, athlete, you know, and and honestly, I think you know probably Team Canada's best chance at a medal at the Olympics nice. in in a, in a long time, right? And you know I'll say that you know as even though you know she's the A team to my B team counterpart, but it doesn't it doesn't um that's the fact that she's an amazing she's a really good athlete yeah. and and all these people who you see who i've been training with for like two years and you see how they're preparing and it's like I, I we were i was training with them being a sparring partner when they're they were preparing for the olympic qualifiers for the americas and then we got the the notice that it was canceled because of covid mm. and then everything shut down here and it's like just to see people's kind of you know, it's like you're all ready, and then yeah. it's like, no, you can't do it. Yeah. I mean, it was frustrating, frustrating for me, like experiencing them go through that. So I could only imagine uh, how they felt. Competitive athletes, it's a hard thing to hard pill to swallow right now, all over the world. And you know, in the states, it's a little bit different right now. So we'll, uh, our next guest, we'll talk to him about a little bit about that. Nick uh, Gullo, he's down in uh, in California. Yeah, we'll states are different. I know Team Boxing USA is like actually at a tournament in like Spain right now. So, I mean, that's the decision of their organization. Yeah. People that actually put that event on, but Canada obviously has taken the stance of, uh, yeah, you know, right. we're not, we're not participating in these things right now. You know, we, we feel like it's not responsible yeah. or, 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 or whatever. I mean, yeah, that's another podcast altogether too, man. Frustrating, frustrating from a promoter side of view. Last question yeah. for you, you know, for uh, up and coming uh, athletes, boys and girls, you know, men and women out here in the East Coast, uh, you know, any advice for them dealing with what we're dealing with right now, how they can get through it a little bit easier? Oh, geez, I'm not really good at, uh, I'm not really good at advice. That's why I asked. Uh, oh, God. Oh God, you hit me with a with a with a hard one here. I don't know. Just do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if 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 it's, I don't believe in it's meant to be. I think that you know things happen because you make them happen or you don't make them happen. But just if you if you want it, you're going to work for it regardless of the obstacles that 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 come. In, in front of you, right? Like I've had a lot of shit that's kind of happened over the years, but boxing was that constant of like, no, I'm still going to make it, make it work because this is the one thing that like is that constant in my life. And like, I love, and I 
kind of need it because it uh, kind of Keeps you uh, helps with everything out. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I hear you. Good for you. Well, it's important, you know, give that, just do it, right. Get, the, get off the couch, run. I mean, that, and that's easy for, for me to say, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not the most advantaged person in the world, but I'm also not the most disadvantaged and I'm, you know, fairly able-bodied and all the stuff. Although I've had my issues with, uh, um, mental health things over the years and I, and I still do, but, um, yeah, I mean, find a way to, to do it, you know, support from other people, support from your community, support from, 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 I don't know, even just yourself, your own, yeah, that's an important will, your own will to want to do it, which. Yeah, that's probably the most important one. I know I struggle with that a lot, like competing in life and stuff, you know, be nice to yourself. You know, it's important to be nice and kind to others, but geez, be nice to yourself. For, yeah, you know, for I get that. told that one, one a yeah. lot, you know, just you get yeah. kind of used to the self depreciating like humor and the, and the, and the whatever, and just being, uh, being modest or not modest, but um, the totally wrong word, humble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take, I'm, I'm humble. I'm just, uh, um, I don't know. I'd like to say realistic and that, you yeah. know, uh, I'm, it's good to not be comfortable with where you're at. Totally. To always kind of want something, uh, something, Better. something more, you know, yeah, and I've yeah. never been comfortable a day in my life. So that's, that's good. Well, you're, that means <laughs> Hopefully you're growing, I'm right? going to you know, have growing, more progress. You know, who wants to be comfortable? That's it. I want to be better every day. So, well, thank you so much, Natalie, for joining us. Uh, hopefully this is uh, not the, the last time we'll get you on. Uh, we'd love to have you, you know, maybe if you can get out here or something, we'll get you involved in our events or, or something. Yeah, like that. I want to come back to definitely the, the mainland area sometime soon, you know, um, awesome. just this kind of all. Yeah, made, yeah. made that a little harder. Yeah, <laughs> true enough. True enough. Well, be safe up in uh, Montreal and uh, lots of love to you guys. And we'll speak to you very soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have awesome. a good one. All right, take care. Bye -bye. Until next time. Awesome, fantastic guest. Uh, you know, uh, we'll catch up with her again next time, uh, but uh, probably in the next, I don't know, uh, probably next uh, six months or so, we're going to kind of turn up some things on the other side. So I'm really excited to chat uh, with her about that. And uh, when I say the other side, we're talking about boxing. So anyway, folks, uh, let's get into it here with our next guest. Again, this episode brought to you by Maritime Madness. Check them out online, maritimemadness.com. Uh, 30 different flavors of hot sauces and rubs. Use the code FLA10 and burn your face off. Next guest, uh, Nick the Tooth, Nick Gulo, um, you know, Black Belt Masters World Champion, uh, artist, we'll call him an artist. Uh, he's a, a pioneer in jiu-jitsu, one of these guys who's been involved, you know, man, I don't know. Uh, he's been involved in a lot of different aspects of jiu-jitsu. He's been on TV with Dana. Uh, he's, like I said, he's Masters World Champion. He trains out of AOJ. Uh, with the guys out there and uh, you know just a kind of a guy who he has a podcast he's an author he's involved in a lot of different things but now he's living the van life and uh, still doing his thing in jiu-jitsu so I want to kind of chat with him about this and uh, anyway let's bring him on Mr. Nick the Tooth how are you oh we got you uh, uh, your mic isn't connected hmm that's interesting. One sec. Yeah. Sorry, Nick. Stand by here, folks. Mm -hmm. 
No. I'm going to kick you. We'll bring you right back. See if we can get them back in here, folks. This has been an incredibly interviewed a book, and it's super embarrassing when people can't get on here. Uh, StreamYard, you're embarrassing me today. Natalie had issues too, so I'm going to write you a nasty email. Complain. Nick's been pretty patient uh, with us, so my apologies, Nick. Beautiful day here in Nova Scotia, folks, for anybody who's tuning in. Uh, I can't tell. I haven't been outside in 12 days, so... I don't know how cold it is or how warm it is. Nothing like live TV, folks. Sometimes it's a beautiful thing when you're, uh, it's nice when you have a producer or somebody, you know, working on the other end to, to help you like our live shows where you can't notice this kind of stuff. But when it's just you, you know, in your closet, doing a podcast, and things go wrong. You kind of have to talk to the computer, and you don't really know what to talk. No, I'm just joking. Let's get in. Uh, we'll talk about our next event here, folks, coming up on October 24th. Uh, October 24th, our next event. Uh, Nick might have just said, fuck it. Oh, there he is. Uh, let's see if we can bring him back on here. All right. There you go. How are you, sir? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I was oh, going to no. put on the ring light, but I think that kind of uh, took all the power from the, the mic. So we're going to have to do a really shadowy war oh, type of a feel. No worries, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Pretty honored to have you on, man. It's been a while. I've been bugging your ass to get you on here. So thank you for your patience. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. How's it going? How is Nova Scotia right now? Uh, you know what? We're, we're ranked as the second safest place in the world right now, they're saying. No so kidding. We have three cases here. So are you guys training all the time or what? Yeah, yeah, our clubs are, are still fully open. Down? No, we're wow. open. Unlimited numbers. Wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty sweet. What about you? You're yeah, in a, California, an, right? It, yeah, it's an absolute disaster. So, <laughs> much like Florida, it's uh, it, in California they've taken the. Yeah, well, I think Florida is a different ball game all to itself man i mean florida and, and if you're on social media enough then you're aware of this concept called florida man and it's basically <laughs> all the idiots <laughs> anything idiotic yeah. that anybody does is typically can be attributed to someone from florida so yeah, uh, yeah. and i and i could say i can say that because i'm from florida so yes that's right uh, down the, yeah, you're it's, down it's a disaster but i'm in orange county right here in orange county everything's just open i mean it's it, it, you guys were kind of talking about it uh, on the last uh, with the last guest that I heard that uh, in, in America we just don't care. I mean, just it's just, it's just in. I think it's just the individualism of uh, that's just kind of embedded in the DNA of of the country. It's got to be. I don't know what else to attribute it to. Well, it's like up here, like it's, it's, you're exactly right. Like people just don't fuck around. Like people are like, if you're going to change a toll down there, like that's what my dad always laughed when you would drive down to, to wherever the States. And my dad would always be like, let me tell you, if they put a toll up here, people would go nuts. But in Canada, people are like, well, okay, it's expensive, but I guess I'll pay it. But down there, yeah. like, no, no, fuck that. Not a chance. Yeah, but you know what though? I don't want to get too political, but it's the reason that America's infrastructure is is shit. 
it's third world country. We have some of the worst airports. We have some of the worst roads. We have more, our education system since, I mean, there has been since the eighties, there's been a movement of decreasing taxes on the most wealthy. And, you know, the flip side of that is we're going to cut spending and it, 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 forget spending. We're going to cut investment into infrastructure and education. And so we're suffering under uh, 50 years of that. So, I mean, that's yeah. just. It's the good old political times, man. Yeah, well, let's, let's stay away from and, and, that, I guess. Yeah, and, and you know what, though? It's hard It's hard when, you know, a, a, a global pandemic has become so, at least in America, it's become so political. It's not. Yeah. It shouldn't be a political issue. It's a medical issue. And uh, it's just that, you know, on the, the, in, in America, we politicians use social wedge issues to divide the country and divide the middle class. And so that they can uh, they can enact, you know, typically tax, uh, you know, breaks for the wealthy. And, you know, it's just it sucks. My daughter right now. Yeah, our daughter right now lives in um, in London and she cannot believe how uh, just how ridiculous it is here. I mean, people don't give a shit. I mean, I what's that like? What's this? What's the state tax out there now? No, I'm talking about she can't believe that people are actually protesting wearing masks. It's like it doesn't cost uh, you anything to wear a mask. What's yeah, wrong with you? Just yeah. put on the put on the fucking mask. What's wrong with you? You know what I, I mean? Agree more. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's just idiotic. But it's yeah. the same thing. It's like that's what happens in America every four years. It's we either fight about gay rights or gay marriage or burning the flag or some other stupid issue that doesn't really affect many people. You know, yeah. and, and but but yet it becomes a wedge issue, and it's political. Now it's wearing masks. You're not going to die from wearing a mask. I don't care what kind of nonsense. You know. Anyways, no more politics. That's it for me. There you go. Do do segment two. Let's get into wrestling as a child. You know, I want to talk to you about uh, that and uh, fucking politics, man. It always makes its way in somehow. Um, <laughs> That's okay. It, yeah, um, it's, it's just, uh, what did you want to ask me? Well, here, like, cause you, like you wrestled as a kid and now you obviously in, in your transition to jujitsu and here, like in Canada, like, well, I shouldn't say in Canada, there's wrestling uh, out here on the East coast, but there's, it's pretty limited compared to what it is obviously in the States. Like it's like hockey is obviously the big thing here, like everywhere yeah. else in Canada, but did it help you so much? Like, do you, do you look transit? Do you go into hard wrestling rooms? Have you went into hard wrestling rooms since you started jujitsu? Oh you yeah. Enjoy that still? Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. No, I, no, I hate it. I hate wrestling. But, but yeah, every so often I'll train with, uh, with a UFC fighter just because so many guys are up around my weight and in mm. the UFC. And I just happen to know some of them like Dominic Cruz was just down at uh, studio 540 and uh, oh, nice. he's my size and Cheeto Vera. And so sometimes I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just be a body for these guys where I know enough wrestling to where I can at least like, I'll typically you know, Daryl Christensen is a uh, is a uh, MMA coach, and he's also a wrestler. He worked with Chael Sonnen and worked with Cheeto Vera, works with Dominic Cruz and TJ Dillashaw. Nice. And, you know, sometimes I'll just jump in, but it's brutal, man. Wrestling is so – I would rather play on my back, you know, where mm. in, instead of uh, – it's just so hard on the body, man. And especially as you get older. I'm older, so it's like, ugh. But I like it. Yeah, I, you I know, and, and, and it, it – it's instrumental to to my progress throughout uh, throughout jujitsu. I mean, there's no question about it because 
what happens is that you know wrestling is a grappling art you know and so is yeah. jujitsu right and so i didn't start jujitsu until i was 43 years old yeah and Great. uh wow yeah and so you know for me when i when i when i first got into it and i've talked about this at length but you know i started it at art of jiu-jitsu and when i started i really didn't want to do gi i was like i don't i first saw gi rest i first saw gi jiu-jitsu and I, I first put on a gi i think it was probably like 1999 and i was with dana underneath the ufc corporate headquarters before they even bought the ufc but in that building and John Lewis, who had worked with BJ Penn was, was a black belt and he was there and it was just like an introduction. And I was like, man, I'm not down for this. I don't want to be in yeah. a key. And so, yeah. so when I first started at, uh, at art of jujitsu, I, uh, I only wanted to do Nogi and it was just a really, a really great time. Um, kind of like a golden era for art of jujitsu, because at that point the brothers were in their competitive primes, Hoffa mm -hmm. and Gi. And um, there were okay. not many, yeah, and there weren't many people who did, um, who trained, uh, who trained Nogi. So there were like, you know, eight to 10 of us at the most. And Hoffa was teaching and getting ready for 80. Wow. And, you know, so he needed people to, to fight with, you know, to, to spar with. And so from day one, I started sparring with Hoffa. But you have to understand that given my wrestling, I could at least offer him some, some resistance and, and some yeah. for ADCC, you know, um, by, by no means, you know, could I, at that point offer him even now much more than that, you know, but, uh, but that's crazy though. Yeah, it was crazy. So I would spar with him every day, you know, so it was, um, one introduction. You know, yeah, it was, it really was. So by the time uh, I think by the time December rolled around or November, I was um, I just eat uh, at Nogi Worlds, and they didn't have a white belt division, and I was a white belt, so I just entered as the blue belt, and uh, I was like, all right, I want to compete, you know, and so I entered that competition and won, and um, it was uh, it, it was a, a cool way to start, you know, competition and competing and all that. And then I got my blue belt and I jumped into, you know, he Hoffa was like, you got to start training. This, you know, you got <laughs> you have to do both. You got to do gi and no gi. And so it, from that point on, I really fell in love with uh, with with the gi. But I do no gi still to this day. And 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 to your question, I, I think it's a really good question. Is you know where wrestling a wrestling background helped me or helps really anybody is you already have this iq of, yeah. of anatomy and grappling and so when you encounter a technique you just pick it up much faster not because you're smarter not because you're better but because you know by that point i already had 10 years a decade of grappling mm -hmm. and so yes submissions were different yes all of this was different but it wasn't that different and uh, to this day, I, I still I still use my wrestling all the time. Not even straight wrestling, but just that basis, that mentality. Yeah. yeah, that's what I, that's exactly what I meant by it. like you know you have that kind of that foundation, and because you see these wrestlers, and even like here in Nova Scotia, like there's not a, a, a shit ton of high level wrestlers. There's probably you know there's a lot in the in the the Nova Scotia and, and like the the provincial team and that kind of stuff in university, mm -hmm. but 
Um, not a lot come to the clubs, I would say. And okay. uh, the ones that do, they pick it up so quick and yeah. just run with it and win tournaments. Like as soon as they start like training, right? Like they're yeah, just it's good. it's 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 not even you can't compare. You know, someone who is a especially when you get into the level. I didn't wrestle in college, but when you get into the level of Division One wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you come into to Nogi. I mean, you're you're a purple belt immediately. Yeah. If 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 I could spend time with a Division One wrestler, give me four weeks, and teach him some defense and some basic offense, and that guy's is going to be smoking people. So yeah. Do you coach much? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I do. I uh I I teach it fairly often now, so especially since I got my black belt. But I just happen, you know, whenever I travel all the time, like you yeah. said, van life. But even before then. I was always traveling. I was traveling with the USC. So I, I had this, you know, there's that old school jujitsu thing where you don't train at other gyms. That was, mm. that never applied to me just because I was traveling so much and I needed to get in. You know, I immediately, once I started training, I was, you know, I was trying to train at least, I, at least five, six days a week. Nah. And so, yeah. And so, so once I, uh, so now, you know, whenever I go into a gym, typically guys know me and they're like, you're a black belt. Will you teach something? And so now yeah. I've just been teaching quite a bit. Nice. Um, That's good. But yeah, yeah it's I, fun. I don't I, mind I love teaching it. boys. hundred bucks. No problem. I don't mind. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't typically, I don't, I don't charge, but the tip yeah, charge I, at the door. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good yeah, idea. Wash my van. I'm like, Hey man, I'll teach <laughs> someone, get, get someone out there to wash my van. Can I park here tonight? <laughs> That's the oh, man. Tonight. I've been staying. No, I've been staying. Yeah. So the, the background on that was, um, you know, our, our daughter got married a few years ago and, um, she moved to London. And so my wife and I are just living in Newport and we were just, uh, just thinking, what, what do we do now? You know, we're, we're young. I mean, we had our daughter when we were really young. And so we were just like, what do we do? And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to buy a van. And so I, I, we had looked at uh, Sprinter vans, Mercedes Sprinter vans for like a year. And I ended up buying one um, like two weeks, three weeks before the pandemic and started wow. working on it. And uh, so smart. yeah, oh, serendipity, man. I didn't I had nothing to do with smart. I just got lucky. And so, <laughs> and so, um, so I started working on that and once, covid hit i just was like hardcore about it and so then once she um once she finished school um she's a school teacher first grade school teacher uh we just i was like baby let's go let's get in the van and so we did and and we just traveled all the way up the coast of california we just got on the one and just traveled all the way up to um up to the canadian border where they wouldn't let us in (laughs) no 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 no. you guys are idiots in america we don't want any part of that they wouldn't let you at all eh? they closed them no they don't they're just like come on man yeah you can't you can't have any more of a freaking no they didn't want any part of it so but yeah it was an amazing trip and so we uh we traveled out there i'm gonna adjust my mic man what's going on here this thing i'm sitting here talking on this mic and it's gradually falling (laughs) and every five seconds you're at studio 540 right now are you no no i'm actually at a uh another gym um so typically what i do is so traveling you know i'll stop in at a gym and just meet whoever and i'll just train i'll just park at the gym typically they'll have showers all that and uh, yeah 
And so, you know, as we traveled up the coast, especially for my wife, she didn't want to stay at a gym. So usually we'd either stay at state parks or RV parks or somewhere really nice. But sometimes we would we would like when we got to Oregon, the Oregon, Washington border, there are two brothers there called the Adamson brothers. And they have Nate Nate and Zach. And they have a um, they have a. Uh, a, a gym up there. There are black belts under Javier Lovato and so um, Junior. And so the jujitsu there is amazing. There's only mm-hmm. 6,000 people that live in the town. It's a town where I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen Goonies? The yeah, movie? yeah, yeah, of course. Like the 80s movie. So they filmed it there. It's a beautiful, really ah. cute, beautiful town. And so very, uh, very New Englandish. And uh, interesting. And I so, love that kind yeah. of Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So it was cool. So we just we hung out with them. They had an amazing, beautiful farm. And um, and I just was teaching there, teaching, putting on seminars and all that. And uh, wow. it's 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 cool because, you know, it's it's interesting that I was just talking to a buddy of mine. Oh, shit. Um, I was just talking to a uh, a buddy of mine about how, you know, when you travel to other gyms, especially after training at uh, at AOJ for so long, it's it's crazy, like, you know, the jujitsu is jujitsu, but you learned a certain brand of jujitsu. You know, it's very much almost like like kung fu movies where there's like this style and this style and this style. People don't really associate that with jujitsu, but it's there. You know, m- my style of jujitsu is going to be very like was very, very different from the Adamson brothers, not better, not worse, you know, but just very different. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I am a Baron Bolo guy. I am, that's my main thing. I'm a Delahiva guy and I play a lot of very technical lapel guard. And so all of that comes from, you know, from, from the brothers and yeah. And, uh, it makes the sport so beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm, exactly but when i really when i got my brown belt i one of the you know i'm always every time i got promoted i always compete always compete and i've only gotten promoted after winning like panzer worlds and so uh after i got my brown belt i i and really every belt i look at my game and i i've always been like okay where is the weakness in my game where can i where do i forget about where can i improve where do i need to improve Mm-hmm. Um, because, well, yeah, and and being and competing, you know, doesn't you know it 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 robs you of the luxury of thinking that you're good. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like real there life, is no. Oh God! Every time I've gotten promoted and I think I'm great, and I get to that next belt, I lose in the first round, you know, or the second round, whatever it is. It's like I become the white belt of that new belt. I've heard you say that before. That's a great analogy, you know, because I recently got my black belt and, uh, you know, like for me, it's like that struggle of, you know, you really believe in your jujitsu. You really believe in, you're like, yeah, kind of deep down. You're like, yeah, I'm kind of a badass, a little <laughs> bit of a badass, but then you go and you roll and you, and you get, or you compete and you're real, you're, you learn real quick that you're like really the shittiest stuff, the badasses for me. Like, you know what I mean? No, like, I know. I know. It's, it's crazy. humbling. Man, it's very humbling. Yeah, and congratulations, man. That's a big deal. Thank you. It's Thank awesome. you. And you too. Awesome. I know this is a I congratulated you a couple. I think it was like two years ago, probably. No, no, I got promoted uh last year at this time. That's right. So I've been a black belt for a year. Under the man. 
what's that experience like being you know being so close the thing is I, your whole jujitsu career is interesting because like in, in you spend time at the well some people are like oh you know that rvc rvca and i'm like ruka is that yeah, right ruka, 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 yeah. You yeah, know? Like, ruka. so you spend a lot of time there too yeah 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 and so and, and the reason for that is it, it ruka is uh it's it's you know i i live in an area where i lived in an area where it's like a central hub where I was, you know, I had an electric bike and I would just, I never would get in a car every day. I was for me, life success in life is all about freedom. And so for me, I, I always wanted to, I'm like, my goal is I don't want to get in a car. I just want to ride my bike. So I had a surf rack on my electric bike. I would ride a mile down the hill, go surf. I would wow. ride a mile back up the hill and go to AOJ. And then I'd ride a mile from there. It was like a triangle and I would go to Ruka and Ruka is a private gym where a lot of uh, UFC fighters train mm -hmm. and Jason Perillo's out of there. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really, uh, it's kind of been my family for the past decade. Um, but one of the, the, the reasons that I trained so much there, I would say I almost spend four days a week, you know, there and two days a week at AOJ is because um, it affords me the opportunity to drill. And for me, my progress has all been about drilling and I, I typically will drill for two to three hours a day. So I don't just go in there and drill for, you know, 30 minutes. And, um, and, and like I said, it, uh, what I would do is at the beginning of each belt, I would just kind of, uh, an, analyze my game and say, you know, where do I need to improve here? And so like Brown belt for me was all about improving my clothes guard. Because I would get into competitions and I would play open guard. I'd play De La Hiva and guys would drop to their knees. You know, I played lapel, guys would drop to their knees. Well, what are you doing? Guys drop to their knees. You either play butterfly guard or you go to close guard. Yeah. And, uh, and so I worked on uh, on my close guard for, I would say, you know, close to a year and a half before things, it became the strongest part of my game. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> you know time is going to pass i mean you know it takes if you if it takes you 10 years to get a black belt if you look at that mountain and you say man that's just too high it's like it's time is going to pass no matter what 10 years is going to go so you mm -hmm. might as well do it use it being productive you know and so yeah. for me i'm just like yeah i love I, I just drill 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 and, and work on techniques and work and the cool thing about ruka is we get some of the best you know, the, we get some of the best black belts that come through, not only, you know, that are pure jujitsu guys, but also MMA fighters and all that. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely cool because where I live and where I, you know, getting my black belt here, this is the new Brazil. No, you know, no this question. is the new Brazil there. You don't go to Brazil anymore for, for great <laughs> training. You come right yeah. here to new Newport beach, Yeah, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I was very lucky that they opened the academy, you know, right, right when I was wanting to start jujitsu. Yeah, it's having those opportunities, right? But also, it's it's that age old question. I'm I'm always confused about where people are like, you know, the, you'll see these articles and they're like, is drilling that important? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? You're yeah. like, would you go to a hockey and ask a hockey player? Like, listen, you're gonna win the Stanley Cup without ever practicing. Like, it's the most real unrealistic. Who are these journalists? writing this foolishness that's nonsense uh, really you know is. if you look at all the way our our roots for jiu-jitsu and you know from my research trace back to samurai 
And so you look at Musashi and he's like, you have to drill something until that's what Mushin mind is all about, is that you have to do something until you're no longer thinking about doing it. If I have to think about something in competition and I don't care about sparring, sparring is irrelevant. I only care about competition because that's the mindset of the brothers. Yeah. You know, the brothers from day, day one are like, what's the purpose of sparring? You know, the purpose of sparring is to get ready for competition. You know, and uh, and so, you know, they're and they're ruthless, man. They're like, I remember I've gotten silver, a silver medal and they're like, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, you're just lucky you didn't face that person in the first round, because if you did, you wouldn't have a medal. Wow. You know, the only the only result that counts is, is gold. You know, yeah. I've been told like that. that. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, how'd you so, take that? I sucked. <laughs> I mean, how did I take it? I got one three thing, like, three matches. Just, yeah, like yeah. silver to me, like that's a huge accomplishment, right? But then just like, like there. That's, fuck, wow, that's that's a not there, man. And for and if, and if you and if you're a competitor, I mean, you don't get you don't get promoted until you win. That that was my for me. Even though I'm older, they never they always treated me like a competitor because I always competed, and because also I am so people happen to know me within the community and yeah. I think, and they know I roll other places. So they were like, you're definitely not getting promoted unless you win, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate, I appreciated that. Yeah. It made the, the journey more, you know, satisfying. I, I frustrating, add- frustrating where I'd get, I was angry, you know, at times where I was like, Fuck you know, yeah. I want to get, pro- I need to get promoted. I've been this belt for so long. I've been that belt for so long, but I'm frustrated because I had with myself because I haven't won. And that just forced me to go back and drill, 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 and work on my game. And so, you know, the full yeah. circle of greatness, you know? Yeah. But yeah, drilling is everything, dude. Hoffa told me after he got his brown belt from Purple Belt, he's like, you know, the weakness in my game, in his game, was leg drags. And so he's like, I just grabbed Guy. And I just did leg drags one until my legs would burn every single day until I would do thousands of reps. He said, and then I became the best leg dragger, you know? It's makes sense. Like, it fucking it makes really sense, right? Does. So, <laughs> so simple, right? Like, just to be great, like, you just have to work hard. And how hard it is for so many of the general public, you know? It's like... For like even for a guy like I can't compete like I, like I, that but it right right away it's like like I can't right you saying that and like that mental mindset of like that's again what's great it's like like mental and physical everything combines to be one and I wanted to ask you quickly about that about like the difference between you've competed in adult you competed in masters you won masters mm-hmm. like you know you always hear about that you know I'm forty years old myself too and you always hear about the big bad boogeyman in the masters division and it just gets tougher and tougher is that true? What's what's your question? Who gets tougher? Like, is the masters division? You always hear like the masters division is always a little bit tougher in the IBJJF. Whether it's you're get like compared to what to like the regular adult division, dude. No, the adult division is just monstrous, man. I mean, the adult division is where you know. Think about this, man. In the adult division, it's actually I think a a flaw in the system of IBJJF you could be going up against a blue belt. So let's say I'm 28, 29 years old, right? And I'm a blue belt. That means I've been training for what? Three years, two years at the most, mm-hmm. you know? And so I go into a competition in adult division and I pull the Rotolo brothers, right? So the Rotolo brothers are two twins that are from here, from Newport yeah. Beach. They've been training since they were two years old. They're black belts. So hold on, you, you know, 
pick you get in the same bracket there's no ranking system for that or nope yeah. nope yeah and it's flawed because they're not blue belts you know <laughs> and so <laughs> and so yeah. that's where you know you're like is the adult division compared to the to the you know the only time that really happens is when you get to the uh the black belts because then you know when you come you're competing at black belt for me my first black belt competition was nogi worlds last december and you know i entered that tournament and i'm competing now i'm competing against guys not that have been training you know as long brown belt they've been training eight years you know yeah they've been training for 20 years that's He's i got, think what i was trying to get across i think no well. that at the black belt division it's freaking especially now because you have guys who are older that are competing at um in the masters division like zanjay yeah i mean dude zanjay is with the the adults so it's it becomes difficult to say that you know masters division is weaker than the adult division at black belt you know it's still you know you still have you know you still have like the guys in the black belt master division have more experience but the cardio the strength like cardio that those kids have i'm 52 years old man you know yeah well, uh, are they Walking. the Bertoldo brothers really blue belts still? No, I think they just got their purple belt. Jesus, but I, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, I I've been rolling with those kids since they were freaking eight years old, you know, seven years old, and even then, I mean, the first time I think I ever got toeholded was by one by Ty, and I was like, <laughs> you little bastard, and the kid's like nine years old, you know, it's like, didn't they start training? I remember when studio because when we were doing our events back. I remember when Studio 540 opened. Who, who was it? Uh, Kel, uh, who, who's the surfer that was involved? Joel Tudor. Joel and Joel, who else? Joel Tudor. Just Joel Tudor. Joel. No, Joel. Oh, oh, 540. Rob was there. A Rob. Yeah. Involved? So the Rob's Zeps. Here's the story. Rob Zeps started um, Studio 540, and he also funded. He was the financier for, and he's a great guy, great black belt under Gracie Baja. And really good friend of mine. I love the guy, but he um, he also funded uh, Metamorphos, so right. his roots are deep in in jujitsu. But he he recently sold um, Studio Five Forty to three of my friends. I'm actually training and teaching down there now. Um, uh, so Jake and Aaron and Andre now own Studio Five Forty, and uh, it's great, man. It's it's you know it's it's definitely outside of AOJ. It's it's my favorite gym nice cool yeah that's, uh, i remember when uh, they came because I, I i don't know what i don't know what event it was but i remember there was a big picture of all the athletes i think it might have been metamorphs they're all in the private jet together and i was like yeah that's bad yeah. with, with rob yeah yeah, yeah that's he's a cool good guy man such a dope guy um we need those people in the sport yeah yeah Period. yeah it's going to be interesting it feels like uh like right now it's almost like a reset on everything you know a lot of gyms are going under a lot of it's almost like like burning through the forest and then there's going to have to be a regrowth i'm not saying that you know we're not going back to zero it's not like the whole forest got burnt down but we definitely had some some we're having some clearing out for sure big changes are, are, are happening i had a, a an instructor and club owner from ottawa the other day on and uh he was talking about the same thing it's like you know right now it's going to be let's just 
not that's a great analogy and he, he kind of was just more like a little bit more raw he was like this is going to be survival of the fittest you know and it's it's you know it's i don't like to say that when i see, see people's gyms you know shutting down and stuff because it sucks you no know? it's not it's not survival of the fittest it's you know it just happens to be you know where is your gym located are you in an area where you know they're cracking down and they're shutting down things or are you in an area where you know is your gym high exposure are you on a street where everybody can see it that's the big deal in america now you know that was a benefit but yeah. now if you have a gym that no one really can find or knows about you're fine but if you have a high exposure gym like meraki up in uh santa monica kenny florence gym yeah. jason hunt or or even aoj where you know you just everyone drives by you know you're you got to put plastic on the windows or paper and it's tough, man. I mean, even up in Oregon, it was tough, man. Those guys, because it in America, it's not like it's not just the police, local police that will crack down or the local health health officials. But we also have federal um, OSHA, which is uh, it's it's like our federal like uh, program for ensuring workplace safety. And they come through and they'll pop you in there. They don't care. Like your local policemen oftentimes will train in your gym and they'll give you a heads up. That happens yeah. everywhere now. That ain't happening with OSHA. And so they'll shut your ass down. They'll give you a ten, fifteen thousand dollar fine. I mean you saw so it's not it's not survival of the fittest. It's just survival of the lucky. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. It's well that's again, you know, like I lived in Toronto, I lived in Calgary and Montreal and all these you know, big cities, I guess you would you know, still not massive but you know here we are in nova scotia with like our, our whole province is, is less than a million people like super mm -hmm. small you know yeah. so it's interesting because like people like you know every day it's like oh one new case or it's like a fucking lottery every day it's like guys yeah 10 or 15 planes arriving every day with people like let's talk about like no like just we got to get back to real life man but it's i want to talk to you about that real quickly and you're probably sick of talking about it, but i know we won't go too long i only got i don't want to take up a ton of your time uh COVID, man you've you spoke about it before you've had it you know your experience yeah. shitty yeah i got it <clears throat> i got it very early on and um I remember watching it, it was yeah it was before it was a real political issue all of a sudden within that's an like i said in america we like to make dumb mm -hmm. shit political and that all of a sudden which was a a virus became political you know what i mean and uh and so having it yeah it was gnarly man it's scary it's uh because especially when i got it there were so many unknowns but i think even now i mean the reality is is you know it's 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 russian roulette because you have no idea how your body's going to react i mean typically the the danger with with covid is not the disease itself it's the immunological response and so the way your body, you have this cascading effect of, of immunological, you know, reacting to the virus, and that will start attacking your organs. So it's almost like an autoimmune system issue. Um, it's just, yeah, it fucking sucks, man. Everybody's, you know, especially in America where, you know, you get so many people are like, it's not real. It's not this, this, and this. All of a sudden you get it, and it's like, and I, because I've spoken to these people who were like, oh, I don't believe it. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. All of a sudden they're not fine because when that fever comes on and that those chills come on and that exhaustion sets in because your body's not getting as much oxygen, you start to question whether or not you're going to have one of these cascading effects. I mean, you know, results. And if you do, you're fucked. That's so, terrifying. Really? That's terrifying. It is terrifying because, again, it's Russian roulette. 
You don't know. You just don't know how it's going to be. And then if you if you have, you know, you're asymptomatic or you get a really mild case, of course, there's just like with your belt, we're sparring, you think that you're great. <laughs> you're not great. You got lucky. You know what I mean? Go yeah. compete, you know. The worst thing I ever did was get a black belt. So now I gotta wear it. Oh god, like, I know. Like it's wear it with pride until you're like, I'm gonna get my ass kicked. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It so really yeah, so so, anyways, we talked a little bit about uh the whole van thing and the uh so I, I finished the van and uh my wife and I jumped in the van and we traveled for like three months and just hit gyms you know where it was where there where i thought it was cool you know where there were were not many i stayed out of cities i didn't go into portland or anything like that but just small and uh but it was it was really the, the van life is i love it man it suits me i don't ever want to live in a house again ever i love it i'm about to uh i'm about to sell this one and buy a brand new sprinter because this one i got was a few years old and uh i'm gonna do a brand new one and uh and we're gonna live live in that and travel all the way up to maine i'd love to come to nova scotia but i'm sure no one's gonna be allowed in there when are you coming? When, when's the plan? I, i'm i'm kind of thinking we're gonna come um we're gonna come probably out like the the first couple weeks of january and so uh start heading up there probably be up there like february you know maybe something changes i don't know our, our events booked well we were talking about that you know i think you you might be able we might be able to get you in an essential an essential worker or something mm, be cool. or something but the i think problem with that is if i'm in the van then i can't really leave my wife you know so it's like i'd have to it just makes it difficult you know with yeah. the whole if, it, if everything was open and we could get her in easily then i would be there in a heartbeat yeah well, if not, I'm sure. I gotta say, Maine. It's interesting because I want have, Maine is a cool spot. Like you, you spent time up there before. I know that. What do you yeah. like? What's the dip? Do you find like New England and Maine area is so different co compared to the West Coast, but it still has that kind of cool. It's almost like a snobby relaxation. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's uh, I, you know, living on the East Coast, living in Florida. Florida is very different than Maine. But uh, but I, I dug it, man. I thought it was cool, man. Anything, anytime I can be near the water, I tend to be pretty happy. So I love it. I could live surf's good up there. I'm, I know surf's good in Nova Scotia. I know it gets really yeah, good. It is. They they say whether I always heard this growing up here, but it was it's the best winter surfing in the world here. Oh, I can't it's wait bad. to try it. I can't All wait to surf time. one day. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I know it gets really really good. I'm not but, sure what it is. But yeah, but and then, then after that, I think what we're going to do is we're going to sell that band and then um, move to uh, move to Europe. And uh, nice. Yeah, our daughter's in London. So we want to, you know, we're going to have grandkids soon. So Makes um, sense. yeah. And so I want to I want to do van life and travel around Portugal and Spain and France and surf and just kind of live, live the best life I can, you know? And, uh, but, uh, but I, but I'm excited to really, I really want to one more. I only have like one more competition. I think that I really want to do. And that's, um, that's European. So, yeah. I want to do Europeans. You know, I've done everything else. I've done every other tournament. So, um, so I'm really stoked to, uh, to do that. But other than that, um, I'm also, I've got a, I'm an author and I've got a, a, a sci-fi series that that's coming out and to, for like pre-promotion because of all COVID, my agent and I, we decided to release it on audiobook. And so if people want to check it out, they can, um, it's called ARC Zero, A-R-C Zero. 
and it's on um, any podcast medium like iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or anything like that. And um, yeah, yeah. So that, the response to that is amazing. And so, yeah, it's been really cool. I've been doing that. And I also am the, I shut down, I had my own podcast that was based on fitness called yeah, Notice Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, I, once I started uh, getting ready to release the book, I partnered with a, uh, a really prestigious um, sci-fi, like literary journal. It's almost kind of like, like art and it's got really cool art and short right. stories and it's called Infinite Worlds Magazine. And so we have our own podcast. I'm a co-host on that. And so oh, slick. Yeah. So it's been a busy transition. You know, this it's interesting because I was in this transition period after I got my black belt. My goal, even before I got my black belt, when I talked to Hoffa about it was um, was, you know, I want to do Nogi Worlds. I started out my career, you know, my com competition career at Nogi Worlds when I was a white belt. And I'm like, I want to compete as a black belt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the impetus for me getting my my black belt and i'd already won pans at brown belt and uh he was like if you don't win i'm taking this back so, <laughs> he said this is a very temporary belt for you i'm letting you know that right uh, now no pressure no pressure at all <laughs> no pressure at all believe me i was thinking that man when i was in uh when i was yeah. walking onto that map for that first you know oh my gosh it's it's i i I, I love competition because I love to watch how my mind reacts, you know, to be the observer and to just be like, oh, my mind's starting to freak out now. My mind's saying, hey, just fake an injury and get the hell off yeah. this bat. Yeah. Hey, you don't want you don't want to be here. You don't need to do this. Why would you why are you putting yourself through this? You don't need this. There's no money at stake here. And uh and so I love to watch that, you know, to be that observer because then that 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 really it goes back to Musashi with the samurai training and the drilling and everything where it's like, forget your mind, you know, motion mind is the concept. And it's, and I learned about motion mind from Hoffa. And, uh, and so motion mind, it means mind without mind, a Japanese saying. And, uh, and so, you know, stepping onto the mat for that first term. And I was just like, yeah, my mind's freaking out, but I'm not, you know what I mean? You're not your thoughts. And so um, that, that's, that's probably, one of the coolest things for me about martial arts and jujitsu is that is that training and the forming of the mental discipline that you can carry forth into all all spheres of your life. Yeah, very very well said. I kind of got mesmerized listening to you there for a second, man, because it's for me like I love that motivation because that's something again I struggle with so much, man, when I compete like my mental side, and I'm always aware of like when I see athletes like yourself and others who compete at a, like a high level and win at a high level, like it takes that like I can go out and roll in the club like it's nothing, but that's bullshit. That means nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. because you're supposed to have fun there and you're supposed to enjoy it there. And you're it's supposed to you're lose there. there. And you're supposed yeah. to lose there because that's where, if you're not losing and sparring, you're not training with the right people. I, at AOJ, I train with the best kids in the world. Jonathan Alvis, Tynan Dalbra. I train with all these kids and I get smoked. So, but that's what helps me. But yeah, you're right. You, 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 it's, it's that mental, that mental game, you know, yeah, it's important, man. What do you, what do you think very quickly about the, the leg locks and uh, now IBJJF? Oh, I was so excited to see that, man. I'm so pumped. It's been so long coming. I mean, talk about being behind the times. I started talking about that like two, three years ago where I was like, this is becoming 
irrelevant here, you know? Um, so yeah, I train, I train leg attacks. I actually started really focusing on leg attacks, uh, going to 10th planet and training with Eddie, Eddie Bravo. Um, and then, uh, and then kind of bringing that back to AOJ and working with, you know, one of my professors there, Nick Boley. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a journey, but you just, the scary thing about it is you really do have to make sure you're training with high level people who understand that, you know, the difference between me cranking your arm and me cranking your, your knee is night and day. I can, yeah. It's going to take me a whole lot of effort to freaking break your arm. It's not going to take me very much to tear your entire ACL, LCL and tear it all apart. It For takes sure. like an, an inch or two. It takes an inch or two, whereas yeah. it's going to take me almost, you know, 18, eight inches of pulling on your arm for a while before it breaks. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's, fuck, I don't know, man. Like, to me, I love leg entanglements. I love leg locks. It's it's changed my jujitsu incredibly, um, but it's, like, to me, it's like you just said, like, you can really get hurt if you're not, if you're not training with people that know what they're doing and people that you can trust. And it'd be interesting how, like, are they going to switch their officials? Are they going to switch, like, are they going to have more leg lock kind of official base? Because, like, you, or are they just going to let people rip and reap? Like, because you, man, could a lot of let them, you got to let them reap. I guess you, know, you do. Yeah. yeah. You have to. If you're going to allow lay locks, you got to allow, you know, heel hooks, you got to allow reaping. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. But, uh, but, you know, a caveat to that is that Hoffa was always very reluctant to teach leg attacks because his philosophy was if you, as soon as you start attacking my legs, I'm going to take your back. He's like, I will use a leg attack like a heel hook against Cobrinha at ADCC when he won. He's like, I- I'll use that to 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 advance my positions, but no one's tapping at the highest levels. Yeah. To to to, he's like, I've never tapped to a leg attack any kind. He's like, and when someone goes for the leg, they're going to give the back. So, you know, as as we had a period where, and this is how jujitsu always is, right? Is that we have a period of advancement. For a certain technique, it takes you know the whole jujitsu community by storm, like Barambolo. A year or two later, everybody starts learning how to counteract it, and then it becomes nullified. The Barambolo, what's interesting about that is now it's having a resurgence because the techniques are becoming tighter and tighter. The way that I even teach Barambolo seminars is very different than the way I even learned it. It's very the details are very, very specific. Um and very minute, but they are, those changes are absolutely change everything about the barrel bowl. So, um, so I, you know, it's like, yeah, at first leg attacks, you know, the Eddie Wolverine, Gordon Ryan, all of that whole thing was like, holy moly. But then they started getting nullified and that's, you know, that's going to happen. Leg attacks are not, you know, they're not the great end all be all of all techniques. Yeah. Big time. There is nothing that is everything. There's a counter to everything. Oh, Rafa versus Gary Tonin. That'd be a good match. Uh, I know, I know. Hoffa was so close. You know, I was commentating for EBI for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, we were very close to getting Hoffa to uh, to come in and do EBI. But uh, at the end of the day, he was at the end of his career and was just like, I got to focus on my family. I want to focus on, he's like, I've accomplished all my goals. EBI has never been a goal for me. Yeah, the money's good, but he's like, I, yeah. you know, 
I need like I have like three thousand students. It's all right, you know. Yeah, but. exactly. It's like in an online program, and you know, just for him, it was about the family, though. He's like, you know, this is my next goal in life. So yeah, I, you have cool. to respect that. Yeah, big time, big time. What yeah. uh, have you been following the UFC? Obviously, you're probably sick of it, man. Like you've been. I I, I follow it. The MMA world, right? But. Yeah, I mean, I follow it, and Dana and I talk, and you know, this fight and this fight, and. But it's, uh, it's, it's, there was a golden, for me, there was, a, when I did the book on the UFC, Into the Cage, um, Rise of the UFC Nation, that for me was the real golden era of UFC. That was, you know, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, Chris Weidman, I mean, Uriah Faber, Jose Aldo, Hannah Brow, you know what I mean? Anderson, you know, it just, it, it was amazing. Cain Velasquez, JDS. Now, I, um, although I, there are fighters that I'm like, holy shit, that guy's amazing. And I love to watch, you know, obviously I'm one of my best friends is Cheeto Vera and he just fought Sean O'Malley. And, yeah. And so, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I follow it. I just am not as I've never been like a real sports guy. The only sport I ever even watch I'm watching right now is, uh, is IBJJF. I, I only like to watch things that I do and I don't fight MMA. So, um, so, but I doesn't mean I won't, I won't put on a fight. I'll put on a fight almost every time there's a fight on. I'm just not like yeah. on it like I was, you know? It's funny so. because people say like, here I am a promoter. We're promoting events here. And I think that the sport's only getting bigger, but it's anybody who knows anything about the sport and you talk to them about it, they're the same way. They're like, you know, I'll put the fight on, but fuck, I don't know half the guy who they are. Like the guys, the girls, cause there's so many events. There's so many, it's a lot to keep up with. Right. And yeah, but, cool to see how like you know and where obviously uh you know everybody's gotten the sport and where it's came and where it is to now and, and cheeto he's a guy like man like going into that fight they're they're i love that guy for one he's scrappy super exciting but the 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 shit talked and then he won and just the way it all went down man i think it's that's crazy awesome. huh yeah i was so happy for him yeah. it's nerve-wracking man when you have friends who um when you have friends that are fighting and you know i hate it I hate watching my friends fight. I bet. Um, but yeah, you know, but was, workings of that person, you know, and what's on stake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cheeto, like I said, we're very close. We've traveled to Ecuador together. We we train together. We, you know, we're very close. We surf together all the time. He's a good dude. Yeah, he is. One, one quick last question. Someone just asked, and we didn't cover it. You know, uh, so many people uh, talk about your tooth. It's a surfing accident, everybody. It's a surf. Is that right? I think it's a surfing yeah, accident. It's a surfing accident. That's right. I was surfing big waves, like, uh, I want to say, like, almost 2011, um, right before AOJ opened. And, uh, and my board, really big waves. They call it tombstoning where I, I, I was inside of a barrel, barrel closed out, pushed me to the bottom of the ocean. I couldn't breathe. So I kicked off my leash to come up. And as I kicked off my leash, my board was like being held like a tombstone. And then it released and I could feel it slingshotting back to me, but I needed to breathe. And so I took a breath. And when I, when I took a breath, the, the pin tail hit me right on the bottom of the tooth because I, I put my head back and, uh, and it, she it sheared my tooth in half. So the back part came off. And then I got freaking, I got implant. First, I got a crown that got infected. Then they put an implant in. Then the implant got infected. Yeah. And, uh, and I that. couldn't wear, and I couldn't wear, I had perfect teeth, man. I mean, my teeth are, 
you know, they were fucking perfect. And so <laughs> my mom, and that's from my mom. She's like, I can't believe I put braces on your teeth and this and that. <laughs> oh, so, so but I couldn't wear a flipper, you know, I couldn't wear a fake tooth when the implant was infected. And so over like six months, the doctor kept putting me on antibiotics. My face was numb. I couldn't taste food, but he kept saying, just stay on the antibiotics. This thing's going to, we're going to ride it out and it's going to be fine. Dana and I started screwing around doing video blogs and he was calling me the tooth. And next thing you know, it just blew up. I had that uh, grappling match with Joe Lozone. And, um, and so, you know, then, it, then I went in finally after six months and Dr. The, the periodontist and entodontist, they were like, okay, we're going to take this out and clean it out. Cause obviously it's not going to get cleaned. You know, it's not going to get better. And then we're going to put it in next week. And I'm like, you're going to take this fucker out and you're <laughs> never putting anything in my mouth again. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the pain. Bullshit. Oh, teeth are uh, thing, man. That's interesting. Uh, Sorry to your mom for that. <laughs> Terrible. The braces and all. Yeah. Well, I won't uh, take up too much of your time. I know you're busy and uh, I know you're probably getting uh, ready to teach, but I do want to thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking the time out of your day for uh, chatting and, and spreading the good vibes, man. You're a guy I've followed forever. I bug your ass forever about doing stuff. So I appreciate no, so I'm honored to be on, man. I really appreciate it. I'll come on again. So just let me know. I'll be traveling, but uh Let's yeah. do it again, and I want to come up and commentate. So that would be awesome. I'd love that. We'll get you up here, do a seminar, and uh, have have a have a good time. <laughs> that would be awesome, man. I appreciate it, brother. Okay, All right. man. Well, thank you Peace. so much for joining us, Nick the Tooth. See you, buddy. Later, brother. Uh, fantastic episode, folks. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, episode one hundred and twenty-four in the books. Uh, again, sponsored by our friends at Maritime Madness. Home of the One Chunk Challenge, use the code FLA10 to save 10% and receive shipping for free in Canada, over $35. Again, thanks to our guests, uh, Natalie Fagan and Nick the Tooth. Check this episode online, available everywhere. Subscribe, share, and like, and be kind. Make sure you pre-order that pay-per-view, folks, as well. Uh, available fightleagueatlantic.com. Head on over there. Uh, pre-order a pay-per-view to be invited and uh, not invited. Put in for a pay, uh, fuck, I'm losing it, I'm losing it, I'm talking too much, put in for an FLA swag pack, we'll see you tomorrow, no, tomorrow's happy Thanksgiving, folks, I forgot about that, I'm really losing it, we'll be back uh, Tuesday with Calvin Cater and Tyson Chartier, see you then.